0: Good morning, so this has nothing to do with the sermon, but uh, I want to read Psalm 19 to you all this morning, and I mean it probably has something to do with the sermon, not like not nothing, but David says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor there are words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the earth. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So the beginning of this psalm talks about how God's creation declares his glory. And I remember when, when the Y first sent me a message saying uh, saying don't cross that spot right there. They sent me a message saying that uh, the gym was gonna be closed and I was just like, oh, come on, you know? It's gonna be shut down for a month. We're gonna have to come up with new plans. We're probably gonna have to buy some new stuff. It's gonna be this, this mess. Um, but today, I'm not mad about it, right? We are, we are out in God's creation as God's creation giving him glory for who he is and what he's done like we are doing what we're supposed to do as his people and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad now that we get to do this together so today we're, we're talking about about neediness so kids where are you guys at this morning can you raise your hands up all right so my first question for you it's it's a pretty tough one and I don't have any slides but uh, what what are these things over here that are growing? These are trees. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, and they're these are are these small trees, big trees. What do you think? Sure really big trees. So how did how did those get there? Yeah, my oh my my okay, so there's a couple different answers. Both of them, I think, mostly right. Right, there there were seeds that were planted there at some time by someone and God caused them to grow, right? So they've been growing for a long time. So now I have another question for you. Earlier today, when we got here, I found this stick on the parking lot, right? Does everybody agree this is a stick? All right, where did this stick come from? A tree. So you're telling me this was once a tree? Well, part, part of a tree, Right? Okay, so can I, like, turn this back into a tree? Well, what about about if I do this right here? This is a pot. It's got some dirt. Tree. Right? Tree? Okay, why not? not Okay, well, what about... What about if I took some of my water and then poured it in here? The wet stick. All right. So, what do I need to do in order to get a tree to grow out of here? A seed. And then what's the seed going to do? It's going to start a tree. So, so it'll grow roots? So you're telling me that that stick needs roots in order to be a tree? You're right. Um, Today, one of the things we're going to be talking about is this passage that uh, Silas actually read earlier, that, that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, right? If we want to be who Jesus has called us to be, if we want to be his people, we can't be like this dead stick, right? We can't just put ourselves in a pot of dirt and pretend like we're a tree. We need to have roots, and our roots are where we connect to Jesus. And so, Kids, I would encourage you to go home today and talk to your parents about what they learned about our neediness, about how we deeply, deeply need. Jesus. And how if we're not connected to him, if we're not abiding in him, there's no way we can be who he has called us to be. There's no way we can live the life that he's called us to live. There's no way that we can have the relationship with him that he welcomes us into. And so kids, go home and ask your parents what they learned today. Parents, go home and preach the gospel to your kids about your neediness and how much you need Jesus. So I want to start this morning by reading a couple quotes to you. Um, a needy heart is a praying heart. Dependency is the heartbeat of prayer. When you know that you, like Jesus, can't do life on your own, then prayer makes complete sense. If you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. Those are all Paul Miller. Where prayer is present, it's saying something. It's it's speaking. It's shouting. It teaches the church that we really need the Lord. Where prayer is absent, it reinforces the assumption that we're okay without Him. That's John Onwuchequa. What wings are to a bird and sails to a ship, so is prayer to the soul. That's Corey Tinboom. She also says that. Uh, our, our prayer should be like a steering wheel and not a spare tire. But this sermon isn't about prayer. The reason why it's about, not about prayer is because the, the, the name of this series and, and the heart behind it is Gospel Culture. And that's what we want. We want Gospel Culture. We don't want Gospel Law. Right? And so I don't want you to leave here thinking I need to pray more you do need to pray more. I need to pray more. But we need to pray more because we believe that we need God more. The reason why I start with these quotes is not because we're talking about prayer, but because our prayer life, how much we pray, when we pray, how we pray, it's a good barometer for how much we really believe that we need God. Right When we think that we can do it on our own, when we're, we're self-reliant and, and, and independent and we don't depend on Him, we don't pray. Because we think, I can do this all on my own. And, and for me, these quotes about prayer help, help point out that tendency that I have in myself. Um, I remember in college, uh, in Mrs. Burt's English class, we read this, this essay on self-reliance by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And I read that and I thought, absolutely. Like, that's what I want. I don't want to have to depend on anyone for anything at any time. I want to have all that I need, like, in me. The, the problem with that is that does not fit with the gospel, right? That doesn't fit with the Christian life. We, we need Jesus. We need one another. And so today we're, we're talking about our neediness. And, and the goal of this series is that we would bring our our gospel culture, the way we live out the gospel back up to pace with with our gospel doctrine, right? We want uh, not right actions, but right attitude, not right things, right behaviors, but right hearts. And the gospel truth that we need to see this morning is that we are needy people. We We are utterly dependent upon God and he meets our need out of his abundance. And I think that recognizing that truth both as individuals and and corporately together, will help us not to try to hide or or diminish or downplay our neediness, but to embrace it right, and recognize that we need one another. We need Jesus. We can't do it on our own, and that's okay. That's a good thing because it pushes us out of ourselves and into him. So I want to start today with Matthew 5, verse 3. This is the first beatitude. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. D.A. Carson says, to be poor in spirit is, is not to lack courage, but to acknowledge spiritual bankruptcy. It confesses one's unworthiness before God and utter dependence on him. So it's not about us us being like economically poor. It's about us being spiritually poor. It's about us recognizing our our neediness, our our dependency. He says our our spiritual bankruptcy. We can't do anything to change the position that we're in. And this is vital gospel truth for us to understand because our culture tells a very different story. We often tell ourselves a very different story. One thing that you, you hear people say a lot is that God helps those who help themselves. But Matthew 5.3 doesn't say that. It doesn't say, blessed are the self-reliant. It doesn't say, blessed are those that got it all together. It doesn't say, blessed are those who can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the needy. Blessed are those who who can't help themselves. That's what the gospel tells us. It tells us that we are needy, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. So, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, the question that we have to ask then is, who are the poor in spirit? So let's do a little test, a little pop quiz. Raise your hand if you're poor in spirit. Okay, if you need help on the quiz, everyone raise your hand, right? We all need God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. All of us are poor in spirit. All of us can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. All of us are not self-reliant. All of us are not independent. We all depend upon Jesus, right? Because it's because of him and his work on our behalf that we are saved. It's not about what we do or who we are, right? And so everyone is poor in spirit. So when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he's not saying that, that everyone who is poor in spirit inherits the kingdom of heaven. He's saying everybody that recognizes that they are poor in spirit inherits the kingdom of heaven. Right? Because it's by recognizing our need and stopping depending upon ourselves and trusting in Jesus and depending on him, that's when we find salvation. That's when he saves us. So in Matthew five three we see not just that we are needy people, but that neediness isn't a bad thing. It's a, it's actually a good thing. We're, we're blessed because we're needy. The next passage is John five nineteen through thirty. That's John five nineteen through thirty. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father rises, raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the father or whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment but he is passed from death to life. Truly, truly I say to you an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. For as the father has life in himself so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So twice in this passage... Jesus says that he doesn't do stuff on his own. He says he does nothing of his own initiative, of his own accord. Later in verse 30, he says plainly that he, he does nothing on his own. I can do nothing on my own. That's, that's Jesus talking, right? That's not me saying I can do nothing on my own, although it's also true of me. But Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. That's surprising. Right? Because Jesus is, is fully God, fully man. We don't think of him as someone who is dependent. But what we see of him in the Gospels is he, is he lives his life on this earth. He is dependent upon the Father. Right? There are multiple places in the Gospels where he withdraws from the crowds. He withdraws from his disciples. He gets alone so that he can commune with his Father. In John 5, he says that he does nothing of his own initiative. He does nothing of his own accord. He does nothing on his own. And so the point for us is that if, if Jesus doesn't do anything of his own initiative, if Jesus does nothing on his own, if Jesus needs to withdraw from people to be alone with his Father and commune with his Father in order to get through life in this world, if Jesus has to do that, how much more do we? right? If he is dependent upon the Father, doesn't that also mean that we are dependent upon the Father? I don't know if you know this, but Jesus is better than us. Right, he has power, authority in himself. Right, if anyone could have been self-reliant, it was him. But he wasn't. He depended upon the Father. So we've seen, right, we're poor in spirit and being poor in spirit is a good thing. It's a blessed thing. We've seen that Jesus is needy. He is dependent for his Father. The next passage we're going to is John 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. I I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. This is a passage that, that's filled with, with a lot of, of promise and warning. So the very beginning, Jesus kind of sets the stage for this metaphor he's about to give to the disciples. He says that he is the vine, the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. As the vine dresser, the Father cares for the vine. He tends to Jesus, he cares for him, and he cares for those that are, that are in Jesus, those that are part of the vine. Some branches don't bear fruit. Those are taken away. Uh, other branches do bear fruit, and they get pruned so that they bear more fruit. In verse 3, Jesus kind of reassures the disciples that they're part of the vine. He says that they're already clean because of his word, because of the message that he's given to them, that they've trusted in. They're, they're part of the vine. But then comes the command. He says, abide in me, and I in you. So Jesus wants the disciples. He wants his, his followers. He wants us to abide in him, to to remain in him, to to live in him. That's what he desires them to do. That's what he desires us to do. He's inviting us into relationship with him. And he's gonna illustrate the necessity of that relationship by talking about this, this vine and the branches. He says the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, neither can we abide in, or can we bear fruit unless we abide in him. So they depend on him. They they need him. They can't do it on their own. Right? He explains it in in verse 5. Even if they haven't gotten it yet. He says that he's the vine and his disciples are the branches. Those that abide in him and have Jesus abiding in them, they're going to bear much fruit. The ones that don't, that's not going to be them. Why is that the way it works? He says... For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is, this is the big thing we need to see this morning. Apart from Jesus, he says we, his disciples, can do nothing. Now I hear that, and almost immediately my brain begins to kind of throw up objections. Like, but but Really? Like, I can't, I can't get out of bed without Jesus. I can't eat a bowl of rice checks without Jesus. I can't walk up the stairs without Jesus. But what if Jesus actually meant what He said? Right? What if He actually expects His disciples to depend on Him in everything For everything all of the time. I think we throw up uh, objections like that, not because we don't want to depend on Jesus in the, the small things, but because we don't want to depend on Jesus in the big things. Verse 6 warns us about the the alternatives to abiding. If we don't abide, we're not going to bear fruit. We're going to be thrown away. We're going to be gathered up. We're going to be burned. That's not what we want. We want to be part of the vine. Why do we want to be part of the vine? Well, look at what follows in the rest of the passage. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if we abide in Jesus, prayers will be answered, right? This doesn't mean that we'll get whatever we want, right? Because if we're abiding in Jesus and He's abiding in us that He's shaping the things that we're praying for. So we're not going to pray for a new Mercedes or a huge house. We're going to ask Him to do the things that He wants done for us. He says, by this, my Father is glorified. By, by us bearing much fruit. By abiding in Him, God will be glorified in us. People will know that we're His disciples. In verses 9 and 10, He says that abiding in Him means that we'll, we'll love Him, we'll keep His commands. His love will abide in us. In verse 11, he says that if we abide in him, his joy will be in us and our joy will be complete. We want all of those outcomes in our lives. But we don't want to depend on him for it. We want his joy to be in us. We want our joy to be full. We want to keep his commands. We want people to know that we're his disciples and him to be glorified by us in what we do. But we don't want to do the work of abiding in Jesus is that's something that most people don't see. That's something that we do on our own. That's something that happens in our heart. We want to be able to do the work for ourselves and get the outcomes that he promises for abiding in him. It's not an accident that this is the first topic we're covering in the series. The reason why we're starting with neediness is because if we don't get this right, none of the other weeks matter. Right? without depending on Jesus, without knowing our need for Him and it pushing us into His presence, we're not going to be people that are humble. We're not going to be people that are kind. We're not going to be able to be hospitable. We're not going to be able to have the kind of life and live the kind of life and have the kind of culture that He calls us to have if we don't depend on Him. All of that flows out of us abiding in Him. We want to be able to do that all, all that stuff on our own, but we can't. And so we're starting here. Because we need Him. Right? In order to, to build and, and cultivate and produce the kind of culture that we want, in order to put a, a rich and full and vibrant gospel culture on display for the world around us, we have to abide in Jesus. And honestly, moving out in this direction forces us to need Him. I was talking to, with a prayer class this morning and, and I said that I'm, I'm really excited for this series because it pushes us in a direction that we cannot go on our own. But I'm also anxious about that because it pushes us in a direction we can't go on our own. Right? We, there is so much that, that we think we can do in our own power and we get comfortable doing it. But in doing that, we miss out on the blessing that Jesus wants to give us by by abiding in Him. If we do abide in Him, if we do depend on Him, if we recognize our need because of the truth of the gospel and it pushes us into His presence, it causes us to abide on Him, then I think that means that, that we are a threat to bring God's kingdom in His world in real and tangible ways but right? it's going to make things uncomfortable for us it's going to make things uncomfortable for those around us because we're going to be doing things and doing life with one another in a way that we cannot do in our own strength and by our own power and we don't like that because we want to be independent people we want to be self-reliant people if we abide in him god is going to answer our prayers because we're going to ask Him to do things that He wants done. If we abide in Him, we are going to bear much fruit and He is going to be glorified by how we live our lives. If we abide in Him, His love is going to be on us and in us and we're going to keep His commandments. Even the ones that freak us out and make us uncomfortable. Right? If we abide in Him, His joy is going to be in us and our joy is going to be full. That's what this passage promises. He asks us to abide in Him. We are poor in spirit. We are dependent upon the Father just like Jesus was dependent upon the Father. More so, He asks us to abide in Him. And if we try to do what He's called us to do, if we try to to live out gospel culture without abiding, without depending, without needing... Then we're just like a stick in a pot of dirt, pretending that we're a tree. We're growing, going through the motions with no life in us. And that's not what I want from myself. That's not what I want for you. So we need to recognize our, our weakness and our neediness. That's, that's what the application is for us this morning. Right? It's to know that we're needy, dependent, broken. Weak people. And we don't have to hide that. We don't have to run from that. We don't have to try to put on a face that, that exudes strength or determination or power. We need to lean into our neediness and lean in to our weakness because it's in Him that we find life and strength and relationship and all that we need to live and be who He has called us to be. It's when we lean away from Him that we miss out on all that He has for us. So this morning, know that Jesus is inviting you to abide in Him. He's beckoning you. He's welcoming you into His presence. So don't put away your weakness. Don't pretend you don't have it. Bring it to Him. Allow it to push you to abide in Him. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you tell us that that we don't have to get it all together. We don't have to have it all together. Uh, We are, are weak and not strong. We are dependent and not independent. We are reliant and not self reliant. But you are strong, you are powerful. You are someone who is trustworthy. And we can always, always, always rely on you. And so we pray that you would use the truth of your gospel message to make it very clear to us that we are not strong in and of ourselves, that we are needy, And we need you. And if there are any of us who who aren't convinced of that, who think that we're strong, who think that we can do it on our own, I pray that you would use your spirit to break us down so that that notion is completely taken away from us. Jesus, I pray that you would lead us out into circumstances, in situations, into moments And and seasons where we are forced to depend on You. Jesus, we thank You that You tell us that those who are poor in spirit are blessed. That it's not just an okay thing, but it's a celebrated thing that we can't do it on our own. That we need You to help us. And so we pray that you would make us people that abide in you. That we would know that that any goodness, any kindness, any humility, any hospitality, any vulnerability, anything good in us flows to us from the vine, flows to us from you. And so we pray that you would Use Your Spirit to drive that truth deep down into us. That You would, by Your Spirit, put to death our flesh that thinks we can do it on our own. Jesus, we thank You for Your sacrifice. That You came to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And that you still do that. Pray that by your spirit, you would draw us into your presence. And make us people that abide. It's in your name we pray. Amen.